Welcome to The Hammer, where we hit the nail on the head with insights from the world of Canadian renovation and custom home contracting. Now here's your host, the editor of Canadian Contractor Magazine, Patrick Flannery. Hi, everyone. Great conversation today with Liz Kovach. She is the president of the Western Retail Lumber Association. Um, we discussed the lumber shortage that has been facing us all, uh, driving prices up, driving availability way out, um, making everybody's life uh, much more difficult. We got into the reasons why this is happening. Um, we talked about what categories of lumber are, uh, are being the most impacted. We talk about the price changes. Um, we get into uh, how the sawmills have been involved. We've got into uh, how the mountain pine beetle has been involved, which of course has nothing to do with COVID. And uh, really got a, a good picture from Liz, who's very informed on this matter as to uh, where this shortage is coming from, uh, where it may be going, when we may be out of it. Um, and uh, just what the various factors involved were. Liz also had some uh, very practical information for how contractors can try to assure their lumber supply, can work with their suppliers to try to uh, make sure that they have what they need uh, going forward and um, what they can do to uh, try to mitigate the sort of the worst effects of these shortages on their business. Uh, Liz and I also got into some of the effects on other building supplies, uh, insulation, hardware have also seen their lead times go out in the pandemic. And we talked a bit about the WRLA, uh, their big show in January that obviously has had to be completely, uh, rethought and, uh, some of their activities, uh, there, especially with regards to, uh, government advocacy, which is a very, uh, interesting part of their mandate. So now, uh, please enjoy our conversation with Liz Kovach, president of the Western Retail Lumber Association. Okay, hi, I'm here with uh, Liz Kovach from the Western Retail Lumber Association. How are you doing, Liz? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Patrick? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks so much for uh, for joining me today. I'm 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 really uh, uh, interested to talk to you because we're going to talk about this lumber shortage and and it, you know it's it's bedeviling everybody and and there's a lot of questions as to as to what exactly is going on and uh, we're going to get uh, we're going to get your insights on all of that but let's start out by uh, first of all give us a, a little introduction of uh, of yourself and the WRLA and uh, and what that's all about Sure. My name's uh, Liz, obviously. I've been with the organization for almost four years. Uh, we've gone through a complete transition in terms of our culture, and we've really tried to evolve because a big part of what our role is to support the building supply industry. We're going to talk about lumber today, but we, we represent members that are on all facets of the building supply chain, whether it's from manufacturing, distribution, wholesale, retail. That's our membership. Uh, we're celebrating our 130th anniversary this year. Wow. It's a funny word to use this year because you can't <laughs> truly celebrate, but uh, we've been around for a really, really long time. Uh, we have the largest membership out of all the other building supply associations across Canada, and we are the oldest one as well. Uh, and it's really interesting because part of our history is um, we also publish a magazine, which is going to be coming out, uh, should be in print in the next week or two. It's going to feature one of the founders, uh, T.A. Burroughs, and Burroughs Lumber still exists today. So uh, it's one of the oldest lumber stores, I think, that actually exists in Manitoba. I don't know if it is across the country. So it's really cool to have that 
uh, be part of our heritage and obviously be in the same city. Well, that sounds that sounds neat, and that you're obviously the perfect person to have on to talk about this. You've got the you've got the big the big perspective for sure. So that's yeah. that's <laughs> tremendous. Um, you know, uh, I, I, with the lumber thing, I'm dealing mostly with anecdotes. I'm dealing with the people that I talk to, uh, 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 complaining about a price, complaining about a long delivery being out. Um, what, what, from your perspective, and I guess the the, the bigger perspective, is going on with with lumber prices and availability right now? So there's, it's basically a perfect storm of issues. And we've talked to a lot of people. We've had a lot of, of folks who are obviously upset, a lot of high emotion around it, but. This is one of those years where we really just have to be patient because the circumstances that we're in is a bunch of, of different facets. And to give you a little bit of a timeline, some of the reason why we're here or in this situation is that there is not as much fiber or trees uh, as there used to be, let's say, 25 years ago. So you may have heard of the mountain pine beetle. Mm -hmm. uh, it moved into northern BC about 25 years ago. And the government had approved basically a salvage operation. So they did a very large cut. Uh, the mills in the area were extremely busy. They processed those trees and they had to get rid of the diseased trees, uh, which was their number one priority because obviously forestry is sustainable. Wood products are the most environmentally friendly building material. Uh, and so they wanted to make sure that this industry can continue to sustain itself. And to give you perspective, it takes 85 years per tree to grow. So when you think about that 25 years ago, those trees were cut. Well, those trees probably won't be ready to harvest until I'm probably retired easily. So. Um, just to give you some perspective from there. And so that removed a huge portion of the trees. Uh, and I actually have the board seat. Uh, I've got it noted somewhere if you really want the statistics on that part. Uh, so that that is a factor. Uh, and then of course, um, a couple of years ago, we had some forest fires. When you have some of those natural disasters that also takes out fiber from the market. So where we are today compared to where we were 25 years, we have less material to go around. Then in, you know, when you look at, if you talk to a lot of builders and if you talk to the retail side, they will say to you, they predicted a really solid year for 2020 and, and a pretty good predictable year of, of what was going to happen. Well, COVID came into play. And I think a lot of people now that we're sort of slowly, you know, progressing through it and we're starting to accept, uh, we're in a different mindset now than we were back in March. But back in March, it was, every, the demand fell off a cliff. A lot of businesses were preparing to close. Obviously, a lot of businesses were forced to close and people were preparing for a shutdown and not knowing if they're going to be able to survive this year. And uh, the government deemed the, re or the lumber stores as essential service, which was hugely impactful because it kept a lot of people employed and it still kept some of the economic engine going. The problem is, if you look back at that time, the mills all were forced to basically close. Some of them were closed anywhere from two to six weeks depending where they're located and depending on the situation. Once they were allowed to reopen, they were coming back on one shift at a time and usually around two shifts. And you can't make up for that lost time because there's equipment that needs to be maintained and, and you can't obviously push equipment without it being maintained appropriately. So once operations were able to start moving again, there was also still a lot of product in the market at the time. So when I, I chatted with one of the mills that we work with in Alberta, they said, you know, once we were allowed to reopen, we wanted to keep processing, but we had nowhere to put the material because our storage, our yard was completely full. There was no demand. And the way everyone described it to me, you know, the demand sort of fell off of a cliff. And, you know, you picture the coyote with the Acme box falling off a cliff. Like that was kind of the reality for a lot of people, which then had an impact on transportation and basically everything. So 
once things started to open up again and once career, everyone was able to start operating again, things were moving along and there was enough material to supply the construction market because that's usually known. You have a pretty good idea uh, as a contractor and as a, as a retail outlet, the jobs you're potentially quoting on the year prior so that you know that you have enough material for the upcoming year. The one thing nobody could have predicted was the do-it-yourself market. So that had a massive impact because people are at home. They now don't are not able to travel. They realize their summer vacations, wherever they were going to go, they now have this money that they've set aside and thought, well, if I have to be home, like, you know what, that wall is really bugging me. Or you know what, our fence is totally brutal. We need to rebuild it. You know what, we've got to renovate the deck. It's 25 years old. We now are able to do this. And that's where the demand started. And I remember there was a point in time over the summer where people said, you know, trying to find a piece of treated lumber was like finding gold. It was super rare. Mm -hmm. So that was the situation that we encountered this summer. And then you also add on the housing starts. The demand that was existed was real. So we had about 245 housing starts in Canada. And then we also had 1.5 in the U.S. So, sorry, 1.5 million housing starts in the U.S. So that's a lot of material that required. And when you look at the lumber market, it's it's a North American uh, market. It's not a Canada versus U.S. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with the way that international trade agreements. Okay. Wow. Well, it, those those are the factors, and and that that's for sure exactly you know what I've been hearing is is just this bizarre and and really unexpected uh, uh, boom in in DIY and every and and the demand for 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 doing stuff uh, uh, at home. I mean, yeah, it's all those travel budgets being diverted into into, into home renovation products. So nice problem to have in one sense, but I guess we're really finding out here why they call a supply chain a chain, right? Because, Absolutely. you know, like you say, it, even if even if they're getting enough trees and even if the sawmill is making enough lumber, they got nowhere to put it for a period of time. They have to stop everything and it backs up all the way back down the chain. And uh, and and how do you how do you catch up after that? Right. On well, the- and it's really sorry. It's really difficult to do that. And then just to add one more note onto that, the transportation became a part of that, too, because if you look at. I chatted with CN, they had laid off 4,000, they had to furlough 4,000 employees because there just wasn't that demand. Well, if you take a look at what rail transports, you'll see a lot of forestry products that are being transported from BC and Alberta out east. And that's what really supplies it because a good portion of the lumber that's produced does come from the west. And uh, when you don't have your rail cars up and running at 100%, yet you've got the product that needs to move, it move, it's creating a lot of delays. And all of that ends up increasing pricing because now there's a shortage. And of course, lumber is also a commodity as well. So that, that impacts it. But the transport piece is a huge one because we do rely heavily on the rail sector. And so it took a lot of time to get uh, back to 100%. And it takes, and, and it wasn't a quick process. So that also created some additional delays in terms of being able to receive your product that you've ordered. So it was about a three month delay if you, if you want to average it out. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah. Can, can, can we, can we quantify it? What, what, what is, what has happened to, to, to prices and lead times? Well, numbers about that or. Yeah. So essentially, if you want to take a look at it, there was a point in time where, where we were, you know, the lumber was, you know, 300, U.S. dollars, you know, for a thousand board feet, and then that actually basically almost went up to nine hundred. So oh. it essentially tripled. Uh, I actually have a chart that I can send to you, but it is starting to soften now because as the demand is being met, and of course, 
The demand is falling a little bit. So when you look at treated lumber, most of treated lumber is used a lot for decking and fencing projects, which are going to slow down when the weather changes. But items like OSB and plywood, which is used for sheeting on, on housing projects, that's still very much in high demand. And it's still because building continues to go on through the winter. So that's still material that is, is required and still there's still some delays on receiving it as well. Wow. That's good. That, 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 that's quite an impact. Now, when you, when you say they had fewer trees because of the pine beetle, that would mean like in the, in the owned areas where they're logging, right? There's right. still lots of trees, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that they, they have certain plots of land that they, that they, that they, that they go on. And, you know, if they've had to clear that out, well, now they're stuck, right? Is pretty much how that works. It, it, that's my understanding anyway. Absolutely. So there's definitely protected areas, crown land. Um, there's, and it's done for sustainability purposes. So there mm -hmm. are certain areas allocated just towards harvesting and regrowth and replanting. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I've heard about that that pine beetle thing. So is there is there some um, categories of lumber that are that are worse than others? Obviously, the treated is is the big. The, the treated was, uh, yeah. and obviously, it'll be now that the demand for treated is is potentially going down. Um, but we saw shortages in in all lumber. I was talking to some of our cedar suppliers, and they said we're struggling to get material. So this impacted whitewood, redwood and treated, which is brown now. So it impacted basically every line. Yeah. Uh, and of, so it was a struggle for a lot of people to be able to get to the materials. And we were asked often, you know, what would you recommend? And, and for us, we kept saying, well, there needs to be a little level of patience to some extent, because really there's a situation that's out of our control and has had several impacts. Obviously we would like to speed them up where we possibly can, but you can't make up for lost time. Yeah. Well, patience is something your members and my readers are often not good at, but uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, problem solving is problem yes. solving is yes. And <laughs> what 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 have you what have you been hearing from your members about about the impact and 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 have you have you heard any stories of what what people are doing to uh, to try to react to all of this? Well, you know, there's it's been interesting depending who you talk to and what region they're in, but overall entrepreneurs are going to make the best of the situation that they have in front of them and they had a lot there was a lot of challenges this year. There's a lot of businesses that had to go through some restructuring. Uh, a lot of businesses struggled with the SERB program because it was difficult to have people come to work and that was a real reality for a lot of people. And I talked to some business owners who were deliveries or just, or taking orders simply because they just needed to they needed the extra help uh, to get through it. But it also helped some business owners realize, you know what, we've been putting off making some of these operational changes. This makes it really apparent that we need to go through this process. Yes, there's gonna be some difficult decisions and difficult conversations, but it was also really encouraging to hear the openness and, uh, and to have people talk about it and, and be very open about what was going on. And, you know, I talked to some business owners who didn't take a paycheck for three months because they wanted to make sure that all their younger employees with young families were covered. So um, it was really interesting. And the other part that came out of it as well is, um, the, is understanding the value of relationships and how you deal with your suppliers, how you deal with your customers also became very important because there was a, there was some loyalty that was involved. And there were some folks who realized, you know what, we're going to be running short on, on certain products this year. I know who my top five or top 10, I don't even know what the magic number is, 
um, key people who we work with, who constantly come to us, who we've worked with for the last 20, 25 years, however long it's been, there was some that level of loyalty where they made sure that the people who supported them received the support that they needed as well. So we definitely saw the benefit of the relationship building that is involved in business. Yeah, it's not it's not all dollars and cents for sure, and uh, and people definitely need to be mindful of that. And I I I love the point about about being forced to change a little bit. Uh, uh, you know, we all we all get into our way of doing things. We yeah. we we, we want to keep things uh, easy, not reinventing the wheel. Yeah. Uh, if there's one thing all of this has done, it's forced us out of those you know out of those ruts. And uh, and 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 you know what? benefits benefits come out i mean i mean look at us now on this on the zoom call right i mean yeah. i mean i i i'd never touched this software a year ago and 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 now i'm all day you know yeah. doing this and and i'm you know i'm making videos i'm making podcasts i'm you know like all this all this stuff and you know i was the old print guy who you know well, i don't want to do any of that digital stuff you know and then <laughs> you know this this is this is completely you know, this, this has really, uh, really, really changed the way we do things and, and for the better sometimes. So that's absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I know that I know that's happening. I know that's happening out there, out there in business as well, for sure. So, so your advice to a contractor right now who may be looking down the, the barrel of a long lead time uh, or a high price on lumber, what, uh, what, what, what steps do you think they can take? Uh, I would say communicate with the folks that you're working with because the best way for for folks to really predict what's going to be coming up for next year. So right now, folks are planning on budgets. Uh, and to be honest with you, a lot of commodities also need to be booked by the end of November. So the lumber side of things, the treated, et cetera, a lot of the dealers have to put their bookings in. So uh, I would recommend that folks communicate, be very open about the projects that they have uh, and make sure that those discussions are being had so that they can prepare the entire supply chain for the actual need that's going to take place. Uh, and obviously you want to be realistic as well, because the last thing anybody wants is to get stuck with too much material that then they can't sell. Um, and of course, if you can build those relationships and find somebody that you can work with on a regular basis that will help in the long run, uh, I know right now it's right now we have to be somewhat patient and, and we know that the supply chain for a lot of materials is impacted. Appliances are very hard to come by right now. I know I started doing some of my Christmas shopping, which I never do this early. Uh, <laughs> I might say that. And I uh, <laughs> I was looking for some appliances for my daughter who's actually going to be moving out. So uh, just some small appliances. And I've noticed that there's definitely uh, less items on the shelf. And I know a lot of it has to do with the just the disruptions in the supply chain. I was in the appliance store on the weekend, six to eight weeks, everything in the store, uh, you know, but that's, you know, oh, I mean, you could take the floor model, but uh, yeah. like that, you know, that that's if, if you wanted what you wanted, that that was that was what you were waiting. So obviously it's going down. Um, you mentioned you mentioned that 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 we are seeing the prices drop, uh, drop back yeah. down a little bit. Um, what's the view going forward? Do you see a return to more or less normal levels? What, by the end of the year? Uh, probably not until uh, probably not until early to mid 2021. I think when yeah. everyone I speak with, prices will still be high. They for sure have softened. They won't yet return back to normal, but they will. Things are starting to start to steady out as we get caught up on the projects. As winter, as as the weather changes, certain projects are going to start to slow down. Um, but just be prepared that it's quite possible this could go into 
end of first quarter or even halfway through 2021. Right, right. Which um, is why it's really important to have the communications with, yeah. with whoever your dealers are and make sure that your projects that you're um, working on, and, and, and some of it also comes down to maybe even a little bit of, of customer education as well, especially with this, what we're in is that people have to make decisions a lot quicker. So if they're really serious about a project, then they need to pull the trigger on that. Because if you wait too long, which I experienced with a lot of my friends this summer, so many of them called me, Liz, where can I get lumber? Where can I get lumber? And I'd have to start, well, where did you look? And then we can go through the process of elimination. But then they'd ask me, well, what's your advice? I'm like, if you can find material, get it done. Because if you wait another two weeks, you likely are going to have to wait to do your fence next year. Plan ahead, have your meetings, adjust your quotes. That's and communicate with your suppliers. Communicate, yeah. have those, have those <laughs> discussions now. Yeah, yes. exactly. That's that's I, I think that's that's probably good advice at any time, but it's obviously yeah. more urgent, more urgent these days. Um uh, while I have you off the beaten track, you guys, you guys uh handle a lot of other uh like you say, a, a whole range of building supplies. Any other issues anywhere around around? Are you seeing it across the board? Uh, actually, insulation has been uh, actually insulation and on the hardware side, depending on where it's manufactured. Mm-hmm. So we've we've uh, we're under the impression. Well, we know that um, containers, let's say that would normally come out of China, would be three thousand U.S. dollars. They've now gone up to five thousand uh, just to make sure that they can get shipped. So there's an increase there. Obviously, there's delays as well because not everything can get shipped in the same timely fashion as it used to. Um, and also on any of the plants that are in Canada, as an example, the staffing, they can't be back at full operations. So the demand is starting to increase, but not ne- the supply can't necessarily keep up with it. So we've noticed that. Uh, and we noticed even back in August, some of the, on the insulation and on the gypsum side, uh, it was a little bit of a slowdown in terms of, I think there was products being rationed and sent at specific times because of all of the disruptions that were happening. Um, so it, there's definitely an impact on the other ones as well. And even in the States, if there's plants that are in the U.S., they're not everyone's operating at hundred percent capacity there either. So you've got half your staff there and then you're not going to be generating the same amount of product. So we're starting to see it in a lot of other areas as well. There you go. Now we were but, talking. You know, yeah. well, I just, sorry, this is maybe a plug for some of the Canadian made products, but this is also sometimes a really good reminder to look at some of the products that are being made in Canada because you might be able to shorten the supply chain uh, by doing so. I like I like that, and I, and I, I, you know a, a, a two thousand dollar increase on a container from China that's that's gonna especially on something with margins like hardware, which is nothing. Uh, yeah. You're <laughs> that that's gonna that's gonna put a pretty put a pretty severe bottleneck on uh, on a lot of the hard because let's face it, that's where a lot of it's coming from these days. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that that's 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 a great advice. I, I love that point. Yes, let's let's get let's get helping out <laughs> our Canadian manufacturers on the hardware and everything else. I used to be in metalworking, so that got yeah. it. Yeah, we were talking a bit offline about your uh, about your your big show that everybody looks forward to. Yes. Uh, sorry, I'm sorry. I think you said that normally would take place in November or or uh, it takes January. place in January. January. What's what can you tell me about what's going on there? So we we really were optimistic that we would be able to move forward. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever been part of planning a large event, but you do take on a lot of financial risk by being that individual yep. or for us, that individual organization. And so we had to play the wait and see game because it made sense for us to do so. And things were opening up. Um, but we obviously realized in the last 
six weeks that this was for sure not going to happen. So we've modified our trade show. So it's not uh, going to be an in-person event, but we're calling it a showcase with a twist. And we have this excellent publication that we call The Yardstick. Uh, and we, when we realized that we couldn't move forward, we, wanted, we took a step back and said, well, what are, the, what are some of the existing tools that we have that we can harness and move forward with? And so we decided, we were kind of joking around one day saying, well, do you guys remember Sears Catalog? Everyone loved Sears Catalog. Right. You'd circle the items you wanted, or I mean, it could be a gear guide, whatever it is, camping gear, whatever you're, you're thinking about. But so we took that and thought, okay, this could be our actual floor plan. We can have our vendor members exhibit in the show guide. And securing a space in the show guide gives you the opportunity to feature some pictures if you've got some new products. Because people really want to see products being used. Uh, they want to have an understanding of why they should select this vendor over a competitor. They want to have some quick facts, maybe a show special, and then also the sales rep that they could potentially be dealing with. We also have an app that we've used on our mobile phones for the last couple of years because we've tried to create some additional engagement, even at the in-person show, push notifications for education sessions as we've expanded our education classroom significantly. So we wanted to make sure that there's a way to communicate and, of course, write updates on specials, new exhibitors, or new vendors that have come on board. So we've got these amazing tools, plus we have Zoom, which you and I just talked about, and we've never used it as much as we have this past year, because we've also started to host webinars. And so we thought we've got all of these tools, how do we connect them and still create some type of an experience, especially because there is a demand from some of our vendor community to say, look, January is the beginning of the year. The WRLA is a big part of the kickstart for a year. How can we work together to still do something? And so that's the solution we came up with. It's a showcase with a twist. So we've got the gear guide, show book, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and that's basically where the booths are. And it'll give some opportunities to feature some new products, some specials or something new that's coming out. Uh, and then from there, we'll have the engagement through the app. So if folks want to send a PO, they can do that. We'll offer product knowledge sessions. Uh, and we wanted to make sure that there were some product knowledge sessions because that's a big component of being in person is you and I talked about it at the very beginning is People want to see things. They want to understand how things function. They want to ask questions. Mm -hmm. They want to see how it works. So we can still offer some of those demos, which will be awesome. Uh, and then we're also going to have education sessions throughout. So what we would have done in a three or two day period, we're just going to spread out a little bit. Um, and so it'll connect our members. There's connectivity that's there. They'll have the opportunity to learn, to learn about new products. They'll have the opportunity to take part in the show special. And it'll also give members who wouldn't necessarily be able to travel. Uh, we we were going to be in Winnipeg for three years. We still will be just starting in 2022. Uh, and it would give it gives a lot more folks the opportunity to tune in uh, and really participate. So we for sure want to create that level of engagement. And then, of course, it helps us as an association because financially, events are a big part of our operations. Uh, and so we still will have some revenue coming in, which will help us to continue to do what we're doing, which is to advocate for the government uh, for change. And we I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Saskatchewan party had recently announced that they're, if they win the election on Monday, this coming Monday, uh, they will implement a renovation tax credit, and which would be huge. And we've been asking all the provinces in the West for that, uh, but they actually announced it. And so it would be retroactive to October the 1st. I can send you the information on it if you're interested in, but we know that we were instrumental in that getting implemented because of the proposal we submitted. So those are the types of activities that member support funds. 
Uh, and we're also working on new education classes. We developed the Building Science and Energy Efficiency course, and it focuses a lot on the National Energy Code 9.36. Online, it's intended for anyone who wants to take it from coast to coast, especially not being able to go to classrooms. So it's a really, this event is going to be a really big part of us also moving forward. Well, I answered your question. Sorry. <laughs> no, that, 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 that's that's fantastic. That's that's exactly what we need to know. And uh, you know, everybody's uh, everybody's going to be looking for this. Um, I think um, you know the, the silver lining on on the online events. I mean, while everybody misses the the interaction and the and the getting together, um, it uh, it does enable you to pull in a lot more people from a lot more places. I mean, the, exactly. the big the big glass show in 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 North America just had you know triple the number of people they would normally have because and they're coming in from all over the world. They had presentations from Europe, you know, uh, happening. I, you know, the, this is the the magic of the internet. So, uh, that's, you know, so that's, um, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's great. It, it, it sounds like a wonderful event, Liz. And I, I know I'll be, uh, I know I'll be looking for that. If people want more information, where do they go? Uh, they can go to our website, wrla.org. Beautiful. Liz, I want to thank you a lot for your time here today. I think you've, uh, I think you've really uh, cast some light on this. Uh, a lot of people have been scratching their heads about what's going on. And, uh, and now we know. So yes. uh, that's 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 wonderful, and uh, we'll uh, we'll have to get you on again when uh, when all of this is uh, is is past us to uh, to take a look back. So thanks. Sounds for good. Joining today. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciated the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Hammer. You can find episodes online at CanadianContractor.com, or subscribe on your favorite podcasting service. The Hammer is presented by Canadian Contractor Magazine.